two, one. Joined by Danny Hughes to look back on a fantastic weekend of football action. But before we do that, uh, must send out our condolences to Monaghan and Monaghan Harps GA on the sad passing of Brendan O'Duffy, Monaghan under 20 captain. Um, it's an awful tragedy, and we send our condolences out there. And Danny, it just really puts, I suppose, everything into perspective, really. Absolutely, and uh, God bless the wee fella. Um, well, he wasn't a wee fella, he was a big, big lad, big strapping lad. And, you know, it's just so tragic uh, when I heard the news Saturday. Um, and given the win against Monaghan then that followed up 24 hours later, it was, um, I suppose, in, in a way, it was a great honour to that our, our Monaghan were to win in, in such a manner. Uh, I suppose everything that a captain or a leader uh, epitomizes uh, that that ability to go to the trenches and the leadership and obviously the ability and skill. And I just, you know, I suppose I'd be quite a spiritual person, maybe not as religious, but definitely spiritual. And I suppose in moments and tragedies like that, they sort of question why this, this had to happen. And you know, God bless the wee fella. He's coming back from a match in, in which he had led the team into a, an Ulster final. And uh, just the circumstances are just absolutely heart-wrenching. And uh, I can't imagine what his mommy and daddy and his, his family and all his club mates are going through at the moment. And I honestly, I, I offer them the deepest condolences. And um, I hope that uh, in time, They'll be able to see what a wonderful, obviously, leader and captain that he was and how well respected that he was, obviously, by management and players. So that's the greatest honour. Uh, I suppose anybody can put on somebody is that he captained all those sides that he was in. He was so well thought of. And uh, it's, it's, it is tragic, uh, but uh, he leaves a wonderful legacy there as well. Absolutely. What a beautiful there. Couldn't have said it better. And... Even Banty, um, in the interview after the game, it just showed the type of leader he was when he said he was over the Monaghan Miners and he got the players to vote for a captain. 24 out of 30 people voted for him. Uh, yeah. That just shows. And even the way he put it about the relationship between a captain and a manager. Yeah, and um, the thing with, the thing with manage, not not everybody is capable of being a captain on any team. You, you, it's something as an aura that you have around uh, a particular group of players, uh, and he obviously had that uh, both not only from a management but also from the players. And it it is rare that you would have such overwhelming support for one person. I know in teams that that I was involved in, you would maybe you know it wouldn't have been as clear cut as maybe twenty four to thirty to be honest. Um usually picked by the manager as well. But it's an even greater honor when it's picked by players. And it just shows you the level of respect. You know, obviously I've seen him in the footage and stuff and I suppose more in recent days. I didn't know the lad, but obviously, you know, when you talk about I always say that going in and playing into county football or playing any football is like going to war. And you know, guys like captains 
or your general equivalent, and those guys are willing, obviously, to die for the cause in, in a sporting context. But given the circumstances of his death, um, I can only surmise that if, if, if you know, leaders would put his head in the line for anybody and he would go before anybody, he would lead before anybody. And, and if there was a choice that we made, he would put his hand up and uh, it might not be any consolation or solace to him, his family and, and the people of Monaghan, but th- that lad was obviously that type of person, very selfless and uh, a leader. And not every team has them type of people. And, and he was one. And uh, listen, God bless him. And uh, I hope I hope he rests in peace, knowing that he was he'll be always remembered and uh, greatly respected. Even like we weren't sure it was that game going to go ahead because of the circumstances. But like talk about a game that just literally had everything. Yeah, well, I, I saw comparisons to the Down Derry game in 1984 that we would talk about in Ulster. I suppose, obviously, you know, with Down coming out on the right side of it, it's, it holds great. It holds a party within the All Iron final wins uh, that that we experienced. But um, given the game that it was, but what a game! Uh, it had everything, and you know, when you thought Monaghan were gone, the momentum had totally moved against them. Um, and there's no way they were going to arrest this 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 tide of Arma attack after attack and scores. Then they seemed to um, arrest the momentum that were going with Arma, and then not only you know secure themselves a draw, but go on and win by two points. Um, and I suppose, listen, Arma were you know they were beaten, they had won the game, and then they were beaten again. So. They will look back on it and they won't begrudge Monaghan the win, obviously, given the circumstances in the 24 hours previously. I think Armagh were very, um, either very honourable, um, very honourable uh, in, in defeat. And, you know, it was a very, I suppose it was a very emotive game and everything around it. So they'll certainly not begrudge Monaghan going to the next round. But when they look at it coldly, from a football perspective, they will be kicking themselves. They really will be kicking themselves uh, in a game where in the first half they were beaten, basically. They were beaten by their performance in the first half. And like, when you look at the Monaghan goals, like how they hit the ground running so early, but even the goals they got, they were well worked. Like, you look at the space. Oh, yeah. Space, I suppose, if you take the first one, the space that opens up for McInnesby, like, Irma won't want to look at that again because the space was just criminal. But just to lay it off, like and even the width Monaghan were playing with in attack. Yeah, and listen, we've been here before, Paul. We we had discussed how open Irma can do, and when they defensively, that has been the real Achilles' heel for Irma for this last six or seven years. It's you know a case where Irma have been beaten at times in matches before half-time. Like last year was the prime example when they played Donegal. They were beaten by half-time. Donegal was so far in front. To be fair to Armagh, what they do have is a very, very good midfield and forward line. But teams are just getting the run on them and just running straight up the middle of their defence 
and working really, really, uh, working really good moves and, and burying it in the bag of the net. And, you know, Armagh aren't even protecting that semi-circle around, uh, going from 35 metres out. They're not protecting that area. Um, they are go, literally going, going home and uh, they, they paid the price uh, big time with, with Monaghan. And it was pretty easy for Monaghan to get that four goals to be fair. And then when Fokker come in, you would have to say that tighten down a fair bit, you know. Um, was that a big mistake, not starting Fokker, do you think? Listen, see when he gets through the game, when he gets through the game, it is a big mistake. But you would think that given the circumstances, you know, Armagh would have been confident to go into the next round. It gives him a wee bit more time to get recuperated from his injury. So, yes, you could... Listen, I would always contend if if you're fit enough to come on, you're fit enough to start. I would always start somebody. Um, and it's a bit like the Mur- Mickey Murphy one against Down. Uh, you're, you're better, in my opinion, you're better uh, in, if they're fit to start them like like they did. Now, in Mickey Murphy's circumstance, Donegal, they didn't need him. So I wouldn't have started him. And you could probably tell, I think they could have got away without playing him. Uh, I think they were overcautious in, in thinking that they would need him. But they, they were always going to be down because uh, down just aren't good enough. Um, but, you know, you know, you would have to say that you know, Fogger, this was always going to be such a tight game. Uh, it was always going to be uh, marginal. So I probably, I, w- I would have started Fogger given his man market ability, the fact that he's been there a very, very long time. Um, so I, w- I definitely would have started him, yeah. But listen, we don't see what they see in three you know. I thought it was great to see Jack McCarron with the dummies, like what he done in the first half. It's not something we often see in Gaelic football at the moment. No, no. And even McManus. You know, McManus had a lovely wee dummy as well for his goal. And um, Arcus, Listen, it's fantastic to see that forward play. And where else would you see four goals in one half? It's absolutely magnificent. It was, you know, I suppose, the last time seen really, I think it was Meath in 2010, actually, uh, scored a number of goals against the Dublin's uh, against Dublin. I think three goals within the space of a first half or whatever. But Monaghan got four. But what will concern them is the matter in which Armagh fought back to lead by two. And they'll be asking a serious amount of questions as to how that happened. Um, but listen, Armagh are, are very, very good going forward. Um but they really, in the cold light of day, they'll be looking at this game and wondering, you know, we had this, we had this one. How did we get in such a position? And then to get themselves into a, a match-winning position and sloppy passing in the last couple of minutes, giving away possession, you know, it just, it just killed them. And Shane McGill um, came in and goals for Ma, and like it's hard for him as well because. He's only under twenty, and he's only played something like ten senior games for his club. Like so, he was put in a difficult situation. But for that kick out, he tries to take it with his weaker foot. And I suppose as a keeper, it's maybe just the wrong thing he done there. And I he did. Like he, he needs to slow it down there, something not move so fast from one and have that momentum. Absolutely, and you know. It, it definitely he will learn he will he will learn from that but 
in those settings, maybe try it in the National League game, you certainly don't try, try it in the championship, especially, uh, especially with so much at stake, given that Monaghan uh, were on the up, uh, they had the momentum. It's about going, I suppose it's having a go-to kick-out that, that they can work when a major score like that. You know, teams are now forensically prepared, so they really should have a go-to where kick-out where they retain possession at a minimum. Um, and make sure that they don't give up, uh, give up an score so close to the goal. And uh, you know he'll he'll he'll, uh, he'll be kicking himself and he'll kind of follow him around for a while until he gets into the next game and stuff like that. So it's it listen it's 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 unforgiving. It's an unforgiving environment. And uh, to be fair, uh, he settled. Uh, you would have to say that he settled uh, definitely going into the second half. But Blaine Hughes obviously is a is a is a well established uh, goalkeeper now for Armagh. So um, there may you know it may have been different had he been goals. But listen, goalkeepers the one one mistake they might be nine out of ten they're fantastic and the one mistake people remember and and, and they're severely punished for you know. You mentioned there about the mistakes and how it might stick with him for a while. And like Armagh obviously out now. Does it nearly does it stick with you nearly all during the winter if you make a mistake like that? Oh, it would, it would, and obviously you'd need to be very, very thick skinned because there'll be a wee bit of slagging going on and stuff, and you sort of have to take it. Um, and that's just Irish nature, GA nature. You need to be really thick skinned, and uh, you know people will be hysterical about you know, you're not good enough for maybe that, but that's hysterics. You know, it's people that uh, wouldn't understand, never played the game, never took risks. At the end of the day, when you're a goalkeeper and, and you're playing this very, very uh, risky strategy now where you're coming out the field, the goalkeeper's now as important as any free kick taker. So um, you're going to be in a situation, Paul, where you're going to have to take risks. And that's why that's why Cluxon was so good. He was prepared to take risks. And Stephen Cluxon had five or 10 or 15 minute spells, if we recall, over this last 20 years, where it seemed as if he was imploding and giving away a ball and stuff like that. So it happens to the very, very best. It's just the nature of the positions and the mistakes that were made will follow him about until he gets back onto the field and has an opportunity to rectify it. But he's under 20. He has 20 more years of football. He will make mistakes. So it's about realistically, it's about being realistic about about the game that we play and you know mistakes that are made. They're part and parcel of the game. They'd be very boring if they weren't. But of course, it's a it's a heavy burden to follow. But you need to be very thick skinned in this game to take it, and you have to take it. Is the one goal that'll disappoint disappoint Armagh the most? The Darren Hughes goal, where he gives and goes and run past about two or three players. Well, the previous Armand teams, the, the, I suppose the ones that were winning all the titles thing, would have stepped across you and you just wouldn't have got through. They were very big and very physical. And, you know, the, the invention of the black card and the check, uh, that was that was a big, that was a major, that was a major, I suppose, development in the game, especially here in the north, um, where there would have been a lot of that black arts going on. Now, the, the reality is if you check somebody now, you're gone. You're gone, um, and you know, in in a lot of ways, that's a positive thing. Um, albeit, I think the black card is a nonsense. But 
uh, there has to be some punishment for that checking. And Darren Hughes, listen, it was brilliant. Um, if if it wasn't, if the backyard or that punishment wasn't in play, that goal wouldn't have happened, and he would have been checked well, well, well out from from the goal. So uh, it's 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 become it's become a feature of the game now because uh, the that can't happen any longer. Um, so I think it is. Uh, I think something that Armagh will, you know. Armagh will need to really look at their defensive stuff. Um, Kieran McKeever obviously been brought in this year, and Kieran's a good coach, um, and obviously was it was a marquee defender for years. So it might take more than one season for them to get their house in order at the back. But this is the same feelings that we've seen from Armagh at the back that they've been giving up big, big scores, and when Armagh start to concede, they concede big in such a short, short space of time, and over the course of 35 minutes of inter-county semi-final of an Ulster Championship, that's that's four goals a lot of up. Would it be fair to say now that all this talk about Monaghan only having Conor McManus now really has to be put to bed because like their forward, <laughs> their forward line the last day, like all six forwards and even Stephen O'Hanlon when he came in, like he showed composure later on. I thought as a unit, like they were very impressive up front. Oh, the world. Listen, Monaghan are slowly building a, a, a strong, it's a sum of all parts forward line. But McMahon has still got one six the other day, and only three of them were from freeze. And when that game was in the very melting pot and was there for the taking, it was McManus who stepped up with the two points. And I wasn't begging. It was McManus's uh, two frees, weren't they? As far as I know. Uh, it was his two frees at the end that took Monaghan over the line. And the reality is, if that had went to extra time, who knows? Would Armagh come back? Who knows? But McManus, there is a, a reliance. There has been an over-reliance in the past, Monaghan. I would still say it's not an over-reliance, just a reliance on, on McManus now. Um, but yes, O'Hanlon, come on. And listen, that's why, that's why events is there. They're there to go in and make a difference, and he did. He come on and kicked a good score and stuff like that. But the reality is that McManus is still the spiritual, physical leader, whatever you want to call him. He's still their marquee forward. And uh, listen, uh, you know, I, I I just feel that until until somebody equivalent comes up and uh, and and starts to match Conor McManus score for score and on. He's going to be a big hole to fill if, if that's if he ever he might go on to his 40 and still be kicking points like that. You wouldn't be surprised. But, um, Danny, even for Irma, like to kick 14 points in one half of football is just showing that their capabilities in attack. Oh, uh, absolutely. And, and Derry said they had more goal chances there as well. And, and the missed them. This was what, what a, like, as somebody, a recent commentator said that. It it uh, it resembled the scoreline resembled more of a hurling contest than it did a football contest, and it was a fantastic game of football added to by the crowd. Might I add that uh, that uh, were were um, were able to get to the game and get tickets and get in and, and view it, but uh, which was which was brilliant. We would just love to see more people in the grounds to be able to enjoy a contest such as that. But uh, listen. <laughs> As I said, I'll go back to when, when McGinney gets the chance to look at the at the game again uh, and forensically analyse that bit of will. 
uh, oh, they'll, they'll be kicking themselves that they're not sitting in the Ulster final too. And I know, like, in this podcast, we have kind of hyped up Irma, because really from 8 to 15, they're as good as anyone in the country, but just from 2 to 7, they're not quite there no. at, at the minute. But, like, if they can get that right, it's going to be scary in the next few years. Yeah, it's, yeah, but the, the only the only um, the only big problem with that is that what you take in one hand, you maybe give it in the other, and uh, the the problem with that is that if you're going to be, you know, if you're focused on their attack, which um, hasn't really let them down um, over this last number of years, but their defense has, they're they've had to. They've had to mix and match, or they've lost players like Charlie Vernon, like Brendan Donaghy, guys that were probably uh, sitting in the defence there, and they were very strong. Andy Mullen, who is one of the best defenders Armagh ever had, um, you know, and and McKeever himself. The the thing about the reality is that Armagh have to look at and see: do are those players do they exist in the county? And if they don't exist in the county. They're going to have to do what they obviously done there on last weekend and outscore the opposition. And Brian, because otherwise you put in a system that you know isn't as aesthetically pleasing, is a diplomatic word, um, as as what they're being used to now. So, in effect, if you put in a defensive system, you take away from their ability to go forward. So it's being able to marry that. Um, it's been able to marry that. Uh, balance between attacking and defending. My fear would be that they're so focused on going forward that their forwards aren't actually doing their job when they lose, when they're out of the ball. When you're out of the ball as a forward, your first job should be, right, where's my man? That's the first thing. And the second thing is, how do I get this ball back as quickly as possible? And I think given that they're expending so much energy maybe going forward and, and getting their freeze, that they're not focused, they're not tuned in to going the other way and winning that ball back um, uh, legally. No, it's definitely a good point you make because if you look at the game, like Carol O'Connell particularly and Ryan McInesky, the two wing-backs for mine, they did create a lot of counter-attacks for mine. And Carol O'Connell's been doing that. Carol O'Connell has been doing that. I suppose he was starting off and I was coming to the end and he's very, very quick very quick, uh, hard to mark. But, you know, fundamentally, if you're a half forward, your first job is to nail down your man. That is, that hasn't changed, I don't think, and it shouldn't change, no matter what team it is. Who is, who, who are you marking? And if they are contributing, assisting, or scoring, then that's on you. That's not on any system of play. That's on anything else. That's on you. And it's, I suppose, it's one thing scoring, uh, but it's the other thing that, that there's there's two aspects of the game and that's the defensive side of it. Then Arma, I think, aren't doing that defensive work um further up the field. And as a result of that, Monaghan and other teams are getting a run on them from deep. And they are and with Began and Goal, who is obviously uh brilliant at picking out Monaghan defenders, it's just too easy. It's just far, far too easy. Their comeback, though, in particular, like they looked dead and buried at halftime. And most teams, in fairness, would have thrown in the towel, but they kept going and to go ahead by two. But in particular, in that second half, like 
Reen O'Neill's performances performance was unbelievable. Like I don't think it's getting enough headlines. I think if that was a David Clifford who'd done it, yeah, the whole country would be talking about it. Yeah, well, Reen O'Neill's brilliant, and and his brother too, Oshin. He's a brilliant, brilliant player. The two O'Neills without them, Armagh would be a different proposition. There's no doubt about that. Um, now they have everything. They have the height, the athleticism, the ability. So you know you would have to say uh, that there's a lot to look forward to from Armagh's perspective, and they're still very, very young guys. You've got Jarrett Burns as there. Um, you've you've some really talented super can, but really talented players there that that Armagh can live with any other team from a defensive uh, from a offensive perspective. The the performance in the second half was as good as Armagh has produced in this last 10, 10 years in the second half. The unfortunate part of part of it is that they had done themselves so much damage, self-reflected in a lot of parts. And Monaghan's good play, to be fair, in the first half, that they were chasing the game so much that they had to, they had to push on. And that's where their brilliance became apparent, is when they were pushing and pushing and going into the... It was... It was, I think Pat Spillane said, it was like two gunslingers slugging it out. And that's what it was. It was, uh, you know, Armagh were almost fatally wounded, so they had to come out shoot, and they did. And they did, to be fair, and they very, very nearly won it. Only, again, they were coming out with the ball in the last couple of phases of play, and they gave the ball away. Uh, and they hadn't been doing that for 30 minutes of that game that's just that is why they got themselves in that position where they were leading but they had come out and and they had just taken wrong options bad options under pressure and uh given the ball away and and give monaghan give monaghan hope yeah and even the monaghan comeback like i'm at two points up and two great goals really by connor turbot and tyrion kelly still two relatively young players but like who else do you want on your freeze to clinch the game for you, like? Yeah, Conor McManus. Conor McManus, uh, he's just a fantastic servant for Monaghan. And what do you say about him that hasn't been said already? If, if uh, you know, people talk about Clifford and, uh, you know, the fact that he's from Kerry is obviously a, is, is, is another feather for his cap. But, you know, McManus has been doing this for, for over a decade now. And... Uh, you know, wonderful player, and yes, Monaghan, they haven't won all Ireland titles. Um, you know, uh, they'll they'll be maxing themselves if they do. But the reality is, if if Monaghan were sitting in a in a monster championship and McManus was doing that day in day out, uh, you know, he would be he would be talked about and appreciated a lot more than he is. When you look back in that Monaghan victory and like. We look back to Monaghan in 2018 when the characteristic was Warrior going to the well. It was all the characteristics that we've seen from Monaghan in the past. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I've I've said if if you were if you were going to war in the morning, you would take Monaghan players with you, um, because you'd be guaranteed that they will go and go and go, and uh, you know what can you spirit that that spirit was epitomised best and. Um, on Saturday evening, when the circumstances were were so tragic that you know it only added to Monaghan's spirit, uh, the never never say day attitude. And what Monaghan lacked maybe in that, um, I suppose 
but Monaghan lack in finesse as regards they mightn't have the players of that have the silky skills of Kerry, but by God they make up for it in spirit and uh, you know toughness and all those all those values that as any manager or supporter you would want your team to you would want your team to display and 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 Monaghan have it in abundance and they showed it this year even in the relegation game against Galway, you know uh, you know that took real guts to do what they done and um, you know I I'm not surprised at the fact that they've they've won through the Ulster final because to be fair to she- Seamus McEnany he took a lot of criticism last year given the defeat to Cavan obviously Cavan went on to win an Ulster title but Bondi had a wee bit of pressure on him probably this year um, if he was new into the job you could probably say do you know what uh, you know you'll get your three year term and stuff but given this is this is the second coming of him, then there's always a wee bit more pressure. So I have to say he uh, he's done extremely well and it's a credit to him. You gave him a chance in the Ulster final? Of course you do, absolutely. Um, you know, Tyrone are, Tyrone are serious outfit, no doubt about it. Um, they're definitely not the finished article. Um, I think that Mickey Murphy sent off was obviously huge. Um, up until then, it was very, very close. But Donegal battled so well, even for a half. Um, and Tyrone struggled to put them away. You would have to say that they they almost threatened to pull away from them at different stages and Donegal kept coming back and back with a man down. So you would have to say that, they, of course, definitely give Monaghan a chance. Yeah, it could go either way. Getting on to Tyrone Donny all day, um, a huge win for Tyrone. Were you surprised to see um, Conor McKenna left on the bench, Colin yeah. left on the bench, like Paul Donaghy not used? Like It was a big surprise when you were looking at the Tyrone team before the game. I, I, I don't understand. I don't really understand the Conor McKenna. Like Conor McKenna was absolutely superb last year, but then we don't see what they're seeing in training, and that is always the... Uh, that is always the difficulty with us, you know, as onlookers to comment on such uh, selections or why is such and such selected as opposed to um, others. So uh, I suppose we, we don't know uh, Conor McKenna's form. We don't know how he's performing in training. We don't know how he's carrying an arc. We don't know how he's settled in. Um, post obviously last season where, where he seemed to settle and hit the ground running um, I think he suffered a wee bit because they are finding it difficult to see where he goes into the team um, does he go in a centre half forward does he go in a full forward does he go in a midfield centre half you know there's when, when you see that particular um, he was involved in a particular score Darren McCurry score um, it was highlighted, I think, on, on the highlight show where he intercepted a ball that was going into Paddy McBrady. Um, he had happened to be picking up McBrady and he punched the ball away and then took off and 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 ran the whole length of the field and assisted McCurry for a point. Do you know, when, when you look at that, what, what, would you be playing him centre-half back? Um, but again, Frank Burns would do a good job there so. It's, uh, it's certainly a difficult, it's a, a, a brilliant and difficult uh, problem to solve from Logan and 
to her perspective. But in fairness to them, they're obviously not afraid to uh, ignore the the pressure and the white noise from from outside, and they will go on what they see fit uh, from training, from form, from from what they're looking at. When you look at the performance the last day, and um, I think six point winners in the end, and we see the Tyrone team that started very similar to Mickey Hart, um, a lot of running nearly all over the field. Do you think the style we're looking at now is much of a change to the Mickey Hart era? Not hugely, not hugely. And I think that the management have taken the proactive um, sensible approach is in that you don't throw, throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's not that Tyrone weren't successful on their heart for the last uh, 12, 12 years, I think. They haven't won an All-Ireland in the last 12, 12 years. Dublin, uh, Donegal have been, you know, coming of age within those 12 years. Dublin have won six. They have dominated a number of them, won, won eight out of 12 maybe in that time. Uh, you know, you know, heart in a lot of ways, had to really rebuild another squad, really rebuild another um, another team. He, he also had to, I suppose, cut his cloth accordingly. He didn't have the Peter Callum and Stephen O'Reilly's own mulligans. He didn't have them type of players for a large part of this our last the last decade. So he had to cut his cloth accordingly. And he, he obviously felt that the Donegal template with the modern way of playing was the template. And I think he was too rigid and stuck to it for far, far too long. I think there was opportunities within his tenure where they could have opened up a lot more uh, and Throne could have went for it. He chose not to, which is, which is he was the manager, so it was his prerogative. But I think when the players were getting frustrated with that particular um, style, then I think he, he should have been a wee bit more expansive. That would be my call. Now, I don't think any of the players, we've got to the stage now when players right across the country don't want to play the defensive stuff anymore. They want to go forward. They see another way. And I think managers or coaches are slowly copping on that that there is another way here. The defensive mode isn't, uh, doesn't, doesn't long-term win you anything. Um, me personally, in this day and age, you know, when you look at how the game's developing, you're it's nearly in phases of play where you're breaking through lines almost like rugby. Nobody really marks hugely. One or two players like Ryan McHugh was identified uh, for one-on-one marking and and McBrady obviously. But aside from that, there's there's a lot of looseness to the today's game and uh, I think it, it suits guys like McGeary who was outstanding the other day for for Tyrone to pop up and score three or four points because he, he with the best one in the world he he'll not be he might be man marked the next day but he he if there was a Conor McKenna you'd be picked out for probably special treatment or um, McCurry would be picked out for special treatment but you know guys further out the field like midfielders and half forwards or halfbacks probably wouldn't be um w- wouldn't be man marked as closely except for Ryan McHugh, who, who's a major, major part of that Donegal wheel, you know. So um, it's, uh, it's interesting. I always find it interesting to see, you know, you've seen the problems in Galway and we've discussed them um, and uh, how, they, how they threw all the defensive stuff and the structures out and, and reverted to 
offensive, brilliant, kind of all-encompassing Brazilian type of Gaelic football. And the reality is uh, that, you know, you have to marry both. You have to marry both. And we've seen the, we've seen the problems of not marrying both being the Armagh game or the, the no defensive stuff going on there at all. Uh, and, and they ultimately paid the price. Yeah, no, the balance is definitely key. But in the first half, uh, that period, Rory Brennan's um, Sinman has come in for a bit of criticism um, about the referee indecision. Did you think it was uh, Sinman? Did I think it was a Sinman? No, I don't. Uh, no, I don't think it was a penalty either. Um, but then again, you know, people talk about refereeing decisions and, and I was surprised to hear Kevin McSay saying that Joe McQuillan was having a good game. Honestly, Joe McQuillan has never had a good game, ever. <laughs> and uh, I would contend that Kevin McStay, I don't know. Um, um, you know, people, uh, when Louis Suarez was at Liverpool and, and Arsenal sent over £40 million plus a, uh, plus a pound, John Henry tweeted, I don't know what they're smoking over there at the Emirates. And I would say the same with Kevin. Kevin, I don't know what he's smoking, but I certainly wouldn't be putting Joe McQuillan at the... Uh, you know, I, I instead of saying that he, he's done well, um, I would always say, well, he hasn't made any disastrous uh, uh, mistakes, but I definitely can't see where he's coming from with that particular one. And even the Murphy one, anybody who's played Gaelic football at all, Murphy was, you know, he plays on the edge. You have to take that into context. And he was late with his challenge. He pulled on the ball and kicked through. But what I really, what I really was disappointed with in, in Tyrone and you know, it's kind of, it's always kind of hanging around, throwing, hanging over players' heads. Not all of them, but some of them is the is the asking for a yellow and the kind of uh, symbolism behind the whole thing. They were calling for yellow cards and red card for Mickey Murphy and stuff like that. McKernan, I think it was McKernan, yeah, uh, had had been calling for. Really disappointed with that carry on. I really think that it's uh, it's something that you don't want to see in the game and. Uh, 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 you know, if if I had done something like that, I would be deeply ashamed of myself. To be fair. Yeah, like I was just about to mention that point about McCain and demanding a card. Surely he should get a card for telling the ref what to do for that. Absolutely, I would see it as as uh, you know as as gamesmanship. Yes, it's it's not blatant like pulling somebody down, but it's certainly not within the spirit of the game, and. Uh, Certainly, he should have been he should have been black carded for doing that, or certainly yellow carded anyway. But you know, he he took away from a wonderful individual display by himself, taking away the fact that he did that. He was actually excellent. Uh, his all round play was excellent. The fan was excellent. He's a very very good player. But you know that carry on of of looking to get players sent off. That's for soccer. That's for something else. You would never see that in rugby. Uh, or rarely would you see it in rugby because there's a respect for each other and a respect for, for the officials that are doing a difficult job, you would have to say. But certainly, you know, that carry on, I, I really was very, very disappointed with that. But it's like in McCann, Tiernan McCann and the head ruffling and, and, and the diving and people going about holding their head as if they've, they've, they've been knocked on the head or hit in the head and maybe... They've got an arm around the shoulder and stuff like that. It's it's very disappointing to see any of that stuff. And we talk about the game being a manly game and and having 
having a wee bit of courage around it and bravery. In in my view, that's that kind of stuff we could definitely do without. Yeah, and if Murphy gets that penalty, it's a different game, really, isn't it? Absolutely. Like you, you look at the what was in it in the end. There was a four points in it in the end. But in the end, but I think that exactly, but the, the momentum was was sort of with Donegal at the time, and I I I didn't I didn't think it was a penalty. I, I don't. I thought it was a bad decision. It was a it was a penalty, but the loss of Murphy was huge. You know, I definitely think the loss of Murphy. And while there's not a huge amount of people that are that are upset the fact that Murphy got his marching orders, I I still contend it was harsh. You know. Yeah, I I think it's the first one that's harsh. Um, then I think the second one, it's a yellow card. Like it's not a black card. That wasn't deliberate. What he went to do to no. keep legs off McGeary. Like that's people. Yeah frustration but Tyrone in the second half like having an extra man it took them a while like even Donegal replied with that goal had it back on level terms they really didn't really get into their groove until it was nearly 14 on 14 oh yeah and and you would have to say that Trones kind of they just they struggled to put Donegal away and whether that was down to Donegal's really good player which it was some, some of the players was excellent some of the Defensive stuff was actually breaking up the play. Um, you you would have to say that they're still a wee bit there and thrown that they're figuring themselves out. McKenna obviously come on, and after you know, you had a difficult spell actually in the first couple of plays that he was involved in, and then he seemed to come well. And I think that's down to the fact that he has the experience of being involved in professional sport and you know, the psychology training and stuff that would maybe kick in uh, about moving on from uh, from bad plays that 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 occur um within that within that uh, context. So, you know, he, he got his rhythm back and obviously um his rolling power is very, very strong. And you would definitely feel that he would have something to offer to run further down the road, maybe when you get into Coke Park, the Ulster fans being moved there, you would think that that type of atmosphere, that type of field would be suited to him. So it's about finding him a place now. And uh, obviously that's going to be uh, Dewar and Logan's main concern probably leading into that. It was great with McKenna though when he came in, like he was, he was fearless, like he came in and he was trying things. He wasn't just taking the hand pass to the right or left like he was he wanted to try things and he, he wanted to work them off and then when he came in and turned it around he made the difference absolutely and he said Mons you know we put him into the down team and he'd be a superstar put him into every other team he would get definitely get in so I'm not sure I think they're just figuring out where, where they're going to play him um, and I think ultimately when it comes down to the big games he's either going to obviously be in there from the start but he's certainly He's going to be in there very quickly if things aren't going Thrones way and, and verbally within the score of fifteen, unless you're unless you're you have everybody flying. Um he he will come in at some point for, for someone and will obviously take his game. But there's a rawness to a game and uh, I love that about a player, you know, when there's a rawness to it and no, no matter what, it's all about retaining ball or something like that at the minute. Um, it's it's nearly overcoached football at the minute, but McKenna just looks like one of these players that says the hell with this thing, doing my own thing, and that's what you have to sort of love about it. But you're no doubt about it. I'm I'm wondering about McShane as well. McShane came in against 
Fermanagh no, against Cavan kicked a couple of points, uh, and then he, he came in the other day. I, I think I think they need to get to the stage where they need to start starting him. Um, and you know where, where he's going to start, but I think they need more than Darren McCurry up there. If you had McShane up there and possibly McKenna, like that's that's a very very strong forward line, you know. And they already have the structure of of a number of years being quite defensive anyway. So I think while they're taking their time in and they're being obviously they're seeing something in training that we don't see, you would have to think that those players have to start playing now at the at the real business end of the championship. Yeah, I was just gonna mention that like the lack they have a running game at the moment, but if that falls apart, like where do they go then they can introduce these players, but they reminded me of it nearly the way Kerry set up against Cork last year, where they brought in kind of backs to play wing forward and stuff like that. That they need to put in more attacking forwards and have a threat. That's right. And and sometimes managers and coaches can be trying to be too clever with their teams. Instead of allowing their teams to be what they are. Defenders are defenders, midfielders are midfielders, and forwards are forwards. And that can be we complicate this game so much and really all you're doing is overcomplicating the stuff for the players and sometimes that can go against you. But if, you know, Trone looked to be actually quite decently strong there in, in middle of field with Kennedy and, and Kirkpatrick and, uh, you know, they seem to be, be able to hold their own there. Um, they're athletic and the people that can certainly come in, like McKenna can come into the middle of the field if, if, they, if they're so needed. So you would have to think that if it was me, while there is a fair bit of loyalty, obviously, to players that are doing their job there, you know, you have to see a wee bit past that and, and look to the guys that are going to have that wee bit of sprinkling the stardust like McShane, like McKenna. And ultimately, when it comes down to that, you're going to need them guys against the Dublins, the Monaghan's, the Ulster finals, the, the All-Ireland semi-finals, quarter-finals, or whatever it is, you know. So I just I just feel that they need to get them in uh, now sooner rather than later. Donegal, like another team we've kind of talked up in the past and they fell at the hurdle here. Is this the end of the road now, do you feel, for Declan Bonner? Uh, good question. Um. Given, 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 uh, it is a good question, and it's very, very difficult to call. Dagen Bonner obviously has a fair bit of kudos with the county board because he's now the second time back in, and you know there was obviously I think there was maybe a minor management or under twenty one in the interim between his first stint and and this stint. So, you know, Dagen Bonner has given a lot to Donegal football, and um, he will be. Disappointed from from his own perspective in the last two years, where the you know last year was a real freak result. Um, they didn't deserve to win the game. I'm not saying that they did, but they certainly there was a complacency there that I think you don't actually know it exists until you're beaten. Uh, and even at the end, they could have actually won it. Done this year, they just played a, a thrown team that there was a bit of a bounce from from the management and. Um, uh, Mickey Murphy the send off was huge so uh, he can count himself a wee bit unlucky too 
Donegal may give him an eye year. I wouldn't surprise if they did to see what he can do, given that they were COVID years. So it, it certainly will be interesting to see. I don't see the county board pushing him out. I would rather see, you know, you would you would think that he will make the decision and know when the time is right himself. Yeah, like they just haven't been to an all Ireland semi-final under him. They've won Ulster, lost Mayo in the Super 8s, lost this year. And I suppose last year is probably their biggest opportunity that they'll regret. So it'll definitely be interesting to see will he stay on, but like the potential of that group. But the only thing I was going to say is, do you think that's the last time we'll see Neil McGee in a Donegal jersey? 36 now, I think. <laughs> 36, it was hard to see past that. And, uh, yeah, I was looking at Vinnie Corey even coming on and helping with uh, with Monaghan there uh, against our man. He's obviously part of a, of a backroom team or whatever else. So uh, Vinny was a great servant of Monaghan's as well. I think, what age is he? 36, 37. So I would say you'd see me McGee maybe thinking about thinking about retiring. It'll be a lot longer of a season next year. There'll be seven games in the National League and, and, and then the championship to follow. I would probably say that that Neil McGee might might hang up his boots and then with the injury and all that kind of stuff, you would need to you would probably think that that COVID and the shorter season was probably an attraction from from his perspective, but a longer season probably wouldn't be. Um and the 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 other one is the Murphy one. Um, obviously he's not going to quit. He's not going to go down that route. But certainly the injuries that he's starting to accumulate now, they are beginning to take his toll. And while last weekend was sent off, you would have to you would have to still uh, say that the injuries and stuff against down obviously before that in the league, and then the time that has been taken every wee bit takes a chunk out of him. So. Mickey Murphy will be 30 or 31 now, so there's certainly it's going to be difficult for him to sustain those levels and that brilliance that he's shown over the years. You know, he's definitely going to have to adapt his game to get more game time, more games. Yeah, so um, as you mentioned, Monaghan meet Tyrone in the Ulster final in Crow Park. Um, but moving on to the Leinster Championship, Dublin 216, Mead 113. Danny, what's happening with Dublin? Stephen Clarkson, basically. Uh, I think his loss is huge. Uh, I think his influence in the change room, his driving of standards, there's just no one equivalent to that. Um, you know, they've had a lot of people retire and stepped away. And guys like Clarkson, you know, I know myself when people, when major people step out of the change room, um, like that, who I think from a player's perspective, you know, Stephen Clarkson sitting beside you, telling you it needs to be done this way uh, or don't come back. I think players are perhaps more receptive to the likes of, of Stephen Clarkson's leadership than they would be any manager. Um, and Daisy Ford seems like a very good, uh, good person. Uh, Dublin at heart, obviously, has a background with the GPA and stuff. I, I don't, I don't feel that he would be uh, confrontational in any way. And it's about for him. I would think it's about carrying on the legacy that Jim Jim Gavin had there in Pat Gilroy. So, um, but Cluxon was always the main 
was he was the he was the cement that bonded nearly everybody and the management teams together. And the fact that he isn't there anymore, the fact that there is rumblings that he just didn't come back because he disagreed with a number of decisions that the Dublin management made around COVID, not training session, etc. Those things are distractions for the players. There are distractions to the management team. And I just don't think they're firing like like they were. Um, I'll, 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 you know, saying that, they were 11 points up against me and, and that just allowed me to come back into the game. And uh, while I don't think they were going to be hugely, you know, I don't think they would have, they would have found an extra gear anyway. I think that the, the penalty calls that were missed Oh my goodness! Like I would be. The Fenton one is ridiculous. Oh, it's ridiculous! Like, like there is no punishment. Connor Lane, isn't it? Who was yeah. refereeing, and he's got a game again this weekend. Oh no! Yeah. <laughs> you know, a, but like you know, how do you get a high-profile game such as Galway Mayo after making a complete hands of of some of those decisions? In every other sporting exa- uh, organization, the referee is protected and taken out of circulation for a couple of weeks until things stay down and he's been stuck back in there for for probably a huge match against uh, better rivals Galway and Mayo like it just makes it makes no sense at all so you know to say that it was mystified by the performance and those decision making be more mystified by the fact that he got appointed to another massive tie this weekend yeah because especially like Fenton was on nearly Brian McMahon's um, back and then push him to the ground. Ah, and clear cut penalty, clear cut penalty. It was you know, and Lean Connor Lean couldn't have had a better viewing spot from it, you know. So Meath can be very disappointed with with how the game ended up. Certainly, it would buy them. It'll give them a wee bit of hope there. But uh, certainly, Dublin Dublin just don't seem to be at the levels that that we've we've been used to seeing them at, and and obviously the levels that that they're used to. And especially like if they do score that goal, they go, f- um, they will they be up by two points. Like and for a young side, like straight away, like the meat, the meat free taker have a different mindset taking them freeze. Like because he was ta- they were taking freeze there eleven points down, and it's a totally different mindset you're in then. Oh, totally, and totally, and and when they had the momentum like that, um, when they had the momentum like that, you know. Uh, it can it can certainly it's game changing you know and I just feel that Dublin uh, I just definitely feel that that wee bit of leadership on and off the field is lacking given that Cluxon isn't there listen Cluxon the fact that he's about the place he would be so well respected um, and so well thought of and so humble in, in his approach that when he does speak you would sort of it's one of them things that you, you stand up and you listen and uh, if he's saying it, it, it you know there's nearly an infallibility with with Stephen Clarkson and that's the big thing that they're missing now, um on and off the field and you know we talk about managers driving standards but your the manager needs senior players that are driving standards and showing leadership and and being respected throughout the group and with Daisy Farr losing so many of those guys, Daisy might himself be respected and all the rest of it, but you need the leaders. You need senior, senior leaders, uh, big leaders, big players, big personalities on the field. And uh, with Cluxon gone, who do, who do you go to now? Um, yes, there's still players there, but uh, you know, Fenton's still a young man. 
uh, is he that type of person? Not so sure. Um, he just gets on and does brilliant business for himself, you know, more or less, and for the team, of course. But would he would he be a would he would he be a, a Stephen Clarkson type character? Probably not, you know. So I I think they are suffering a wee bit from from his loss. It's still particularly that spine though that is still the very impressive thing. Like when you're looking at David Byrne. Uh, Johnny Cooper, Benjamin McCarthy, the middle, Con, Kieran Kilkenny, like they did look very impressive in the first half when when they did get going. Yeah, and that spine is massive, and that's the reason why obviously Dublin are all Ireland champions. And uh, McCarthy's still a major player; they're going to have problems replacing him. Uh, Fenton, you know, Fenton <laughs> does what he says in the team. He's he's absolutely phenomenal. Davy Byrne is a steady players you can get and obviously Johnny Cooper is the, is the big thing for Dublin this year if someone can go after Fenton and McCarthy in midfield is that where you could really see I, th- I honestly think that Kerry are the best placed team to to really attack this Dublin side and uh, with with Peter Keane I know he's nearly half preparing for that last year but I, I really do think that uh, Kerry are in or in the mindset and in the physicality stakes, they are ready for the Dublin challenge. And I, I genuinely believe Kerry, as the weekend as the weekends go on, and we'll see more of them this weekend against Cork in the Munster final. But I think if if Kerry can can really do a number on on Cork, then uh, I think it's hard to look past Kerry in this in this uh, situation. You know, I think. Whoever's coming out Ulster will be playing Dublin. And, uh, you know... No, whoever's coming out of Ulster will play Kerry. And then the oh, sorry. Apologies. Um, play Kerry. Okay. So you would, you, would let, you would be thinking that if Kerry do happen to come through a, a team against Ulster, um, you know, you would just think that they're pretty well prepared for, for anything that dubs throw at them. You know, it'll be a different type of game, obviously, but you know, it's it's getting to that business end of the season where everybody enjoys it, and uh, you know, it'll be. I, I think I, I do rag and mail will come through that side. Sorry, but uh, you know, you'd not be surprised to hear that. But uh, but Dublin, certainly Dublin, you would think will come through, and then obviously Kerry, Kerry Mayo, Dublin, and and then on on our throne. So, um, well, that's where I see it anyway. But the, but Dublin, Dublin, look. Dublin look beatable at this moment in time. Yeah, and like if we just get into that second half, like me deserve huge credit at 11 points down to could have went into their shell in Crow Park. But like Matthew Costello comes straight out, scores a goal. They get it back to 213 to 113. And you could see towards that end, like it's not often you see Dublin rattle, but players going down for injuries. The Dublin has kind of starting a fight. We really kind of seen, I suppose, a bit of cynicism um, coming to play for Dublin. Yeah, and uh, I suppose I I think obviously it's good for Dublin that this, they're in the games. It doesn't benefit them if they're in the games where it's a complete walkover, you know. So I think Dublin will welcome the fact that you know obviously they'll be disappointed being eleven points up and and losing such a substantial lead. You know, you know you're talking about you're talking about an eight eight point turnaround then. You know, you're starting to ask questions about why that happened. Obviously, Meath, the goal, Meath got it started, lifted them, and there was a wee bit of a kick from that. 
but you would have to say that the first half Dublin display was was pretty faultless. Um, and they will put the second half display down to complacency or whatever you want to call it. Um, but certainly me deserve credit for coming back into the game, certainly. But that goal, that goal was massive. But me, you know, when they had them on the rack, they should have they should have they should have kicked on, you know, and, and Dublin will be glad they could through such a tight encounter, knowing that they can obviously make huge improvements, you know. Even me had a great goal chance there, Ronan Jones towards the end, and that could have really opened the game up. But I suppose we're kind of clinging on to hope that there's something happening in Dublin. Like people are still forgetting that Owen Merchant, John Small, and Robbie McDaid are out for injury. Oh God, yeah, and you know we we don't know how the season will uh, play out for them because it's such a close uh, fixture fixture pile or so. We'll have to see how it goes with them. There's a lot of soft tissue type stuff going on. And as long as they're not major injuries, you could see them guys back back pretty quickly. But you could also see you see them missing the entire season because because they're cramming games in so much. Um, so uh, listen, we all want to see more competition at provincial level. So um, Kildare, you know, the big winners were Kildare, who find themselves in the last final now. Jago Carr has got them promotion as well. And you would have to say that they will take a lot of hope from that second half uh, display by me. Then you would you would think that with uh, with Flynn looking back to his best for Kildare, you, you know, you could be making a case that, that Kildare could, could put, put it up to the dogs. Listen, we've been here before saying that teams could and they've ended up getting blown out of the water. It's still very remote possibility that uh, Dublin won't win Leinster. But there you go. I think the big thing with Kildare is why you might worry. Like Westmead missed a lot and they only won by two points and then two fourteen to 18 points against Westmead. That might have people a bit worried coming in against Dublin. Oh yeah, and and Westmead, Westmead have, I suppose they had a very indifferent league. But they relegated. Relegated in the end, yeah. They relegated uh, this year, so you'd have to say that if they weren't good enough for Division Two, you're you're now playing against the Division Three team. And, and yes, Kildare won promotion to Division One, but you know, given uh, given if Kildare are going to cause Dublin problems, you would you would be looking for them to get through matches like that a lot cleaner, a lot easier, uh, which wasn't the case, as, as you rightly pointed out. So, um, listen, they've everything to do. There's still a huge gap there in Leinster, massive. Um, so, you know, it's, it's for Kildare, it's about, it's just, I suppose it's about taking those, those things that Mead done well in the second half and, and, trying to recreate that and trying to look for those wee uh, opportunities there for them to to use the assets that they have to try and make sure that they really damage Dublin in a way and make sure that they don't limp out but they damage them, you know. The fitness of Kevin Feedy is big for Kildare. He went off injured in the first half and like, particularly if they're going to compete with Dublin at midfield, they're going to need Oh, yeah. Yeah, listen, a massive, massive, given, given assets, a massive sector for the dubs uh, they dominate around there and you're dominating around that middle area break ball clean catching then you're, you're going to dominate the game they're, they're getting the ball to to Conal Callaghan 
um, guys like that they can wreak serious damage so Kirler are going to have to break that they're going to have to try and break even around that middle but who comes in there to try and do that I'm, I'm not so sure is it possible that they can do that again I'm not so sure so uh, they're definitely up against it but Jack O'Connor's a, a very smart astute guy you know I'm, I'm sure they'll be working uh, forensically to try and see where they can make gains yeah no Definitely, I suppose they they will take some positives at the same time. They haven't clicked fully, but the potential is still there. And if you look at it one way, they haven't clicked and they're in a provincial final. Yeah, well, that's that is it. And you know, do, do we fear if they have clicked? Uh, we start to fear then. But you know, you would have to you would have to say that football is it's not a, it's it's not about turning on a light switch. That doesn't really really do, is that possible. So uh, you play your way into form, um, same way you can play your way out of it. But um, I would, I would definitely think that you can listen. Dublin will most likely win the last final at a bit of a counter. What Kildare would hope to achieve is that they stay in the game and stay competitive for as long as possible. And coming down the street like the semi final with me, that they'll be able to, they'll be able to possibly uh, maybe snatch something, but. Listen, that's uh, it has to be told us that that's a remote, remote possibility.